Yeah, before I begin, uh, I just wanted to uh, say uh, this year should be a blessing and a merit for the health and success of the families of Regina Bas Yosef Reuven and Yeshaya Ben Yisrael Binyamin Wolf, Ben uh, Svi Hirsch, and Baruch Ben Binyamin Wolf. Uh, that uh, they should only see Mazel and Brocha, Simcha. Ramchal has in uh, his Sefer Derech Hashem, he has a third chilek, uh, <clears throat> which he talks about the spiritual structure of the world. It's really very interesting, very fascinating, because obviously the spiritual structure of the world is such because in order to fulfill the purpose of creation you know the world has to have obviously a structure and so on what is interesting is that people can go through their entire lives and never realize or understand you know the real spiritual structure of the world which is interesting you know so that's why uh, these uh, shurim that I'm giving, you know, really in many ways is very valuable because it will introduce you and sort of like bring you up to speed about wh what, what type of phenomena is available in the world that we live in, you know, from a spiritual standpoint, obviously. You know, we all know the physical standpoint and so on. Uh, but from a f spiritual standpoint, what type of phenomena is available? So therefore, what I want to talk about, which is what he talks about, Ramchal, is the phenomena which is called Nevoa, prophecy. Uh, now, you know, most people think, well, Nevoa and prophecy, you know, that took place thousands of years ago, which is true. You know, and it's something that, like I say, you know, is, uh, is in a certain sense antiquated it's a long time ago is it really what's called Nogea does it really apply to today <clears throat> you see and the answer to that is yes you know I gave a shir last week about Shabbos and I showed I demonstrated something very unusual <coughs> that the only way, the ability to experience Shabbos is if you have the technique or the structure of Nevoah. Because I indicated last week that the real essence of Shabbos is that we are able to experience the Rabboni Shloilam as he will be experienced in the Elif Hashvi, in the 7,000th year. But in order to do that, you had to have what's called certain spiritual apparatus. And I mentioned last week <coughs> that the spiritual apparatus <coughs> that you have to have is called the Nisham Yisera. Now, most people don't realize that's Nevoa. You know, they don't realize that. They, oh, Shabbos is Shabbos, you know. You have great chant coming and Kugel and all that, you know. <coughs> no, the essential idea of Shabbos is that you become what I called then a partial Navi. In other words, you feel God in a diminished form as He will appear 
will be felt or experienced in the year uh, 6,000, in the 7,000th year, which begins after the English year 2240. <coughs> you don't see him, obviously. And obviously it's a diminished form, or else you would be incredible, you know. But that feeling that we have about Shabbos, that everybody probably wonders, like, what is that? I feel now differently than I do in the weekdays. There's no question that there's a difference and so on, you know. And I answered that that is Nevoah. That's really what you're experiencing. You are a prophet, a Novi, not to the degree of the earlier Nevi'im, obviously, you know, Moshe uh, Rabbeinu, obviously not, but you know, even Shmuel Novi and Yeshaya, Yemiyohu, Yecheskel, and so on. <coughs> so we really see that Nevoah, prophecy, is what we experience every week. There you are. You can't get more relevant than that. The second idea about Nevoah, which people have to realize, is the primary experience of Nevoah will be in the Yemois HaMashiach. We don't realize that. You know, with the experience we have now, if you want to talk to somebody, you know, you can communicate with them, you know, using physical means and so on. But the primary uh, a method of communications with the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, in the Messianic era will be through Nevoah. That's what it means, Kimola Oretz Deo, Es Hashem. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God, right? <coughs> as the, uh, you know, as it, uh, that knowledge, and that knowledge is, it will be, as it, if it covers the uh, like the waters covers the seabed how what do you mean you experience the idea of god so i explained what that means in the previous year to that the greatness of torah and so on you know um, but that's how you will experience that information you know that's nevoah that's prophecy and guess what that will never cease once you have the messianic era and you know everything that has to happen before it begins, then the vua becomes, as they say, part and parcel of the uh, the equipment of a Jew. That's exactly what he can do whenever he wants to do it, with incredible ease. You know, as uh, or someday we'll get to that. You know how long it took you to become a navi, and the work that you had to do to become a Navi, you know? Uh, I mean, you had to go to Yeshiva for Navua and so on, but whatever. Uh, so the primary way of communicating with God or experiencing spirituality will be Navua. And that will never cease. Imagine, what, we don't even understand what that means. Could you imagine being like Moshe Rabbeinu and being able to tolerate the Shekhinah at, the, at that level, because how can you even tolerate that, you know? Could you imagine being that way <coughs> for the rest of eternity? And the, uh, the ability of Nevoah, the capacity, will only increase, you know, after this world is over. And I'm not, we don't even know what it means in terms of Ilm Habo, the future world, and so on. 
So Navua is not something that only was thousands of years ago, you see, you know. And besides, as we will see, there are aspects of Navua prophecy which we can experience today. You know, <clears throat> so I think it's a, it's a very important topic that in many ways rounds out the understanding of the structure of the world. So that's what I want to talk about. Now let's lead us into a, an entire area of thinking, of thought, and understanding of Judaism, you see. Now, <clears throat> a very important idea which I had talked about, but it's really very critical, <clears throat> that there are five different uh, types of creations, beings, if you want to use that word, or states of existence. And it's very important because this is, in many ways, the range of what we are going to experience and includes what we are experiencing now. So these ideas are something you always have to keep in mind because this is the what's called the scope or the panorama of Judaism, <clears throat> you see. So I had mentioned, obviously, the first type of being is Ein Soif, which is God. And of course, uh, God is unknowable and so on. But God is a, from our perspective, a certain type of being, of course, which we have absolutely no comprehension and so on. So we could say that Ein Soif is the first and highest class, actually it's the only class of being, existentially and so on. But in any case, then the Rabbanishim created a second stage or state, and that's called Zulosoi. Because one of the main characteristics of Einsoif is Einoid Mavadoi. Besides God, there is nothing else. And I cannot even begin to explain what that means. But it's literal, it's not figurative, you know. That the only thing that exists, even now, is God. There is nothing else. Uh, because one of the ways of understanding that is the reason why the only thing that exists is God, because God doesn't have existence. He is existence. And apparently the only way you can, ex the only uh, thing that qualifies you to exist is if you are existence itself, then you exist. But if you have to be given existence, that existence compared to God who is exists, who, who is existence, is not even on the same map. It's two different ideas. So Ein Soif is Enoid Mavadoi. So what the Bershom did, nobody knows how, is he engaged in a phenomenon called Tzimtzum. Tzimtzum is where in some way, capacity, God restricted himself, right? And what that did, whatever that means, is that he was able to create a mokum, a place, where something else could exist. Now, obviously, we have no idea how that happens and so on. But whatever it is, it is. There is a mokum, a place. Uh, in Kabbalah, it's called the hollow, the hole, where other things can exist at whatever type of existence they manifest.
Uh, so that's called a zulosoi, an other. And of course, the being that reflects, that is reflected in that other is divine energies, if you want to use that word, divine forces called spheres. <coughs> and in many ways they are identified as part of the being of God. So when we say <coughs> ain't so if it means God, spheroes, and there are ten of them, which we know, right? They are sort of like the uh, appendages, if you want to use that word, of God. Now we have absolutely no idea what that is, but I will connect the spheres to the being called God. So that's, in a certain sense, the first thing that God made. But b besides that, the main component of the, uh, that makam, that place, which has the capacity to have an other, is called the neshama. And the neshama basically is the greatest thing ever created, you know, uh, not that it rivals God, of course, uh, and so on, but it is the, really the first other, if you want to use that word, that God created, the neshama. And it's much greater than anything ever created afterwards. The neshama is infinitely, as I once said, greater than the malach, than the angels. Then after that, God created another reality called Ruchni, spiritual. God is not spiritual, right? What He is is unknown. Even the Neshama is not the same as Ruchni. It's far greater. So therefore, let's say that the third aspect of reality or type of reality is Ruchni, is the angels, all those angelic forces that exist. And there is almost a, an infinite amount of these the angelic beings. And they are basically the intermediaries between God and the physical world. Then you have a world which is Geshem, material. It's physical, right? It's material and so on. And that is our world. And then I mentioned there's a fifth dimension called Zohemo, which is a world of the Sultan. And uh, that world is a world which is Geshem slash Zoyama, it's really both, and so on. So those are the five ideas. Now we also, uh, we, we know that, um, um, uh, you know, man and the animals, insects and so on, share the, uh, ex the existence in the world of Geshem, and now in the world of Geshem slash Zoyama. We know that. Uh, so we understand that there are five different aspects of reality. We also understand, you know, which I've mentioned, which is very important, is that the idea is, <clears throat> the idea is to transfer, you see, or to transform, I should say, one world into another. Now, I want to mention this, which is very important, and the Ramchal begins to stress, uh, stresses this very much. But, you know, you have to really appreciate what he's saying. Beings that inhabit whatever world they inhabit are composed only of that world. For instance, a malach is only ruchni. He's only spiritual. He's nothing else but spiritual. He's not a composite of a world of spirituality or geshem or anything like that. <coughs> In the world of our world, which is Geshem, the material world, right? 
you know, beings, animals are only physical. There is nothing spiritual about an animal. I know this may, may disturb dog lovers because uh, they will not be with you together <coughs> in Ilm Habo. There's no Ilm Habo for dogs. Canine Ilm Habo, whatever. Uh, but uh, uh, animals, insects, uh, rodents, whatever, are only Geshem. They're pure physical. There is nothing spiritual about any animal. However, when you come to man, man is a very strange creature. Why? Because what the Rav did is very interesting. He took the Neshama, which is the highest level of spirituality, and he combined with physical. You know, that's like combining water and fire together as one entity, which is unheard of because they contend with each other. Each one will try to destroy the other, right? The uh, fire will try to evaporate the water and the water will try to douse the fire. They can't live together. They are what's called mutually exclusive beings. Each one attempts to eradicate the other. Well, the same thing. The neshama is pure, uh, I mean, I use the word spiritual, but we know it's higher, right? It's purely uh, of a nature that is completely the antithesis of physical. Cannot exist with the physical. In other words, when you take an ishoma and you encase it in a physical body, immediately what will happen is that the neshama will purify the body of Geshem. It will actually remove the physicality of that body. And that body will now become completely translucent. It's almost as if the body doesn't exist. It exists as a very fine form of translucent, transparent material. Its ability to be physical has been enormously diminished. That's what the soul will do to the body, you see. Because they cannot exist really together. So if that's the case, how is an ishoma of an odom, right, the soul of a man, right? How is it able to sustain itself in a physical body? And the answer to that is, the Ramchal speaks about this, is that God decreed, he gave an order, and he diminished the power of the soul to do that activity. The soul cannot mezakech, that's what it's called. Zikuch means to purify. The soul cannot remove the physicality of the human body and therefore be freed of the physical world. It is condemned, if that's what you want to use, the word use, it is condemned to remain in the physical body until it has permission to leave, which of course means death. That's a very important idea, that the soul is anchored to the body, uh, not permanently, but for a tremendous amount of time. Now that's highly unusual, you see, that the neshama can actually reside in a physical body. Unheard of. And what it means also is the neshama, right, is a composite of two substances. Now this is unheard of in all substances or all entities of creation. There's no such thing.
you know, you are what you are in the dimension that you reside. You are not something else besides where you reside. Uh, so therefore man is a composite being. Now, we know what's the ultimate objective, and we know the trigger for that, right, is mitzvahs. Right? God gave what's called mitzvahs, commandments, and the purpose is, right, that when you do the commandments, those commandments become a trigger, and that trigger transforms your being into a higher being. But it doesn't transform the neshama, which is interesting. It only transforms the goof, the physical. So what does that mean? <coughs> that means that, you know, uh, ultimately, not now, but ultimately, the neshama, the, the decree that the neshama cannot transform its body will be lifted. And the neshama will then begin to purify the body that it inhabits. So what will happen ultimately, right, and what prevents it, as I mentioned, is that decree, you see. And ultimately what will happen is the neshama, the decree will be removed. And, and when a person, and what happens is that when a person will get up from the dead, Okay, what will happen is immediately, okay, begins a stage of 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 purifying the uh, the body. So what changes or transforms is not the neshama. The neshama is what it is. In fact, the neshama, the neshama itself cannot uh, be degraded. But it can be restricted, which is interesting. You see, in other words, when you do a sin, for instance, you don't degrade the neshama per se. It's too high. But what you do do is surround the neshama with a blockage. So it can no longer receive the divine energy, the divine light, the shekhinah. That's how you can degrade the neshama in terms of its ability to receive this it's a very important idea in any case so you transform the physical man will transform his physical body into spiritual ruchni and that itself will take certain steps right which i once spoke about uh and each step takes a thousand years so the transformation of the physical to the spiritual begins in the year English year 20 to 40 which is the year 6000 and that begins a transformation of the physical uh, realm uh, so the first thing that is transformed into a completely spiritual domain is the universe so in the year 6000 which is the English year 20 to 40 the entire universe all the galaxies and the stars and everything will immediately become spiritual. And we don't even know what that means, but the entire oilam, the oilamas, everything will become spiritually. And after each thousand years, you will become more and more spiritual. You see. So by the time you reach 9001, 
then the entire creation will turn into ilm habo. So it takes a couple of thousand years for that to happen, you see. But remember, what happens is, is that the physical changes. So ultimately what will happen is in the year 9000, which is the beginning of ilm habo, the neshama, right, will be completely transparent. But as Ramchal points out, there will be a body. But that body will be the closest thing to be being unphysical in that sense. Completely transparent. <coughs> you see? And the only thing each neshama will be able to see, each other neshama, totally, without any obstruction of any kind of physical entity, and the body itself will be of such a uh, degree that it will be totally pure of physicality, but it still will have that nature of physicality in that sense. But that physicality will be completely pure. It's almost like the body will become pure energy. We, and there's no matter, it's pure energy. Any case, so that's basically what the, the plan is, ultimately. Now, it, what's interesting, you could, you could say, wait a minute, you could ask, wait a minute, why does God have to do that? Why doesn't God just make a man physical, right? And the physical, just, just physical in that sense, right? Uh, and then man, by doing mitzvahs, will transform the physical into a being that is the ultimate spiritual because that's anyway what's going to happen to the body <coughs> you see why does he have to create an neshama and that neshama right which he creates is now combined with the physical why do you have to have that all together you see and the answer to that is because ultimately speaking the physical body itself is um, a detraction. They're just two different types of entities, you see. <clears throat> so if, apparently a physical body cannot become a divine soul. So what the Bansham did is he created a divine soul and he combined it therefore with a body and the body is what changes in order to allow the neshama <coughs> to completely dominate. <coughs> you see. Now, <coughs> what is interesting also is that there are reasons why the Rabbanisham wants man initially to be spiritual, but to restrict the physicality, the spirituality of what man is. You see? <coughs> And he wants man to become spiritual in the sense of being completely exposed to being spiritual. And there are reasons for that, you know. And what I would say in terms of the ideas to this is first of all, <clears throat> if, you, if you remember, Oilam Haba is where God, as the Ein Soif, will connect to man. Right? In Ilm Habo. You see. So the problem is, is that 
the Rabbanishim connects to man even now. That's really what Navur is. What is Navur? What is prophecy? Prophecy is the ability of somebody to connect, to communicate with an entity that is beyond its state. It's really what it is, you see. Man is physical, yet he wants to communicate or connect with God or spiritual entities. But how does he do that? Because he lives in a physical world. So what the Rav did is he gave him the wherewithal. How do you connect, right? How does a physical being connect with or communicate with a spiritual entity? And the answer is by being spiritual. And therefore, since he is spiritual, he can connect with a spiritual entity. And that's really how it works. That's why we can be prophets. Because we are spiritual, you see. And the aspect of our spirituality is what enables us to connect with spiritual beings. You see, spiritual beings, as I said, <coughs> is the world of malachim, angels, <coughs> the world of neshamas, and so on. But that's because we are spiritual. That's why we can do that, you see. <coughs> In any case, so that's the first idea. Prophecy can only happen because we are spiritual. Therefore, ultimately speaking, we can diminish some aspect of our physicality and, like I said, communicate with the spiritual realms. You see. <clears throat> okay. Now also, which I find interesting, why does the Rebunnishman want to communicate with man? What he could have done is just create a physical world, put a person down, right? <clears throat> Let him just live out his life. And after he dies, he could deal with the guy, right? And one of the ideas, which is really very interesting, which I emphasized last week, why does the Mershom want to give Shabbos? Because the Mershom loves man. You see, he wants to, in some way, communicate with man. When you love somebody, you don't want to be removed from that person. You don't want to wait, you know? Uh, if somebody falls in love with somebody, right? You know, you, you tell a person, well, you have to wait, you know, 70 years to be able to speak to the person that you love. What do you mean, 70 years? <clears throat> right? I want to speak to that person now, whoever that person is, and so on, right? It's the same idea. The Bosham loves man. He certainly loves Jews, and he doesn't want to wait till the guy dies, and then he can speak to him, right? Or embra even embrace him. Uh, so Navua enables God to actually communicate with man while he's alive. Doesn't have to wait. So love is a very, very important motive. And we know it says, you know, by Kriyashma, the brachas of Kriyashma, right? Oyev, oyev, uh, right? That the Bansham loves his people, Klai Yisrael, right? Oyev Amo Yisrael. He loves his people. That love is what motivates God in many ways to do things that perhaps ordinarily he wouldn't do. Uh, so that's an important idea of prophecy, which is not usually thought of, you know, the whole concept of that and so on, you know. Also, by being able to, in a certain sense, experience the Rabbanishlam, the Rabbanishlam, like I mentioned, incentivizes man to want to become spiritual. 
uh, you see, because when you can experience the reward, then that will create an incentive for you to want to become spiritual. But in the end, there's another reason. Because <clears throat> uh, uh, there's another reason why the Rabbanshim, you know, has allowed man, in a certain sense, you know, to, to uh, experience prophecy. Remember what I said. Prophecy enables a person who's physical to link with the spiritual. It's really what it is. And therefore, since he can link with the spiritual, he can obviously uh, communicate with the spiritual. <coughs> you see. <clears throat> but what the Marshall wants a person to be able to do, and in many ways, this is the essence of Judaism, he wants him to be able to influence the spiritual. Right. Uh, it's not just being linked to the spiritual. I want you to link to the spiritual in order to be able to influence the spiritual. What does that mean? Because when a person does a mitzvah, he increases enormously the shefa, the divine energy of the spheres. So not only is a neshama linked to the spheres, right? Uh, but it could actually enormously increase the output of the spheres. And the output of the spheres is what changes reality. So um, the linkage is critical for the divine purpose. The Bershom wants you to increase the output of the spheres, right? So as a result of that, eventually the spheres will transform or retransform, uh, right, the physical into a spiritual universe. But you could only do that if you're linked to the spiritual. If you're not linked, then it doesn't happen, you see. So if man was a physical being only, you see, <clears throat> he would not be able to increase the output of the spheres, because he's not linked to them. Therefore, the linkage, or the ability of man to be spiritual, while he's physical, connects him to the spheres, and his actions, whether it be thinking, speaking, or doing, they can actually influence enormously the spheres. <clears throat> and that is the, probably the main reason why a person is both physical and also spiritual. A very important idea, you see. And the mechanism <clears throat> that can result in that is prophecy. Because once you're linked to the physical, you see, then automatically, right, once you're linked to the spiritual, I should say, then automatically you can communicate with the spiritual. And that's really in the end of what happens, you see. Now, in order to do that, the linkage isn't simple. How is a person linked to the spiritual? What is the structure of an Odom in terms of his linkage to the spiritual? Well, we know he has a neshama, right? <clears throat> and that neshama really is the highest emanation of the spheres, you see. So a man is therefore linked to the spheres, because that's where he emanates from, right? You have God and his divine energies, which are the spheres, ten of them. And a man is linked to the spheres. Okay. <clears throat> so 
the the uh, the linkage itself, right, is the neshama. You see. So the soul of a person, as I said, right, we know is linked to the spheres, which obviously emanate from God, the Ain't Saif. Uh, but what happens also is that man is now encased in a physical body. But the connection between the Nishama and the physical body has to go through what's called Nefshtachtoina. There are two souls in man. One is the divine soul, right? That's the, uh, the, the Nishama itself. That's called the Nishama el the upper soul. And that Nishama is purely spiritual. And then there's a physical Nishama of the most subtle type. That's called the Nefesh Tachtoina, the lower soul, or the Nefesh Bahamas, or the animal soul. And that soul, in many ways, really is physical. And that soul resides, you see, that soul resides in the blood. Ki adam hua nefesh. That's what the Torah really alludes to, you see, in terms of the neshama, tachtoina. So man consists really of two souls. One is completely spiritual, which is the real neshama, right? And that neshama is connected to the neshama or nefesh tachtoina, the lower soul, you see. Now that lower soul, what's its purpose? I had mentioned that it is really physical, but it is of enormous uh, subtle physicality. You know, uh, you, you can't find it. I don't know if you could weigh it even. I don't know if it has. I don't know if it can be subject to weighing and so on, you see. So that, uh, um, but what it is, is that nefesh tachtoina is the life force of the body. Every single living form, whatever it is, from the uh, one-celled animals, you know, trees, uh, insects, uh, animals, rodents, you name it, right? Has a nefesh tachtoina, but they do not have a nefesh alyoina. That's the difference. And that nefesh tachtoina, the lower soul, is there to animate the body of whatever living form there is. All animals have a nefesh tachtoina. Any living form has a nefesh tachtoina, and that is the life force of that particular entity, you see. And that is, in many ways, critical, you see. <laughs> so what do we have? We now understand, the rat, uh, that man is composed of a nefesh elyoina, an uppermost soul, that is linked or connected to a nefesh tachtoina, a lower soul, you know, uh, a lower soul, uh, an animal animalistic soul. And that is connected to the body. Now, the body is only able to function because of that animal soul, you see. And the animal soul is what gives the brain <coughs> which is the medium that the, that the nefesh tachtoina operates through, it enables the brain to operate, you see. Without the nefesh tachtoina, without the lower soul, nothing operates, you see. 
Now there are, <coughs> uh, and uh, each entity, each creature, whatever it is, has a unique nefesh The nefesh of an insect is obviously vastly different than the nefesh let's say, of an elephant, which is vastly different than the nefesh <coughs> of a man. A man also has a nefesh he has a lower soul, and that animates his body, you see. <clears throat> and that nefesh tachtoino, right, upon conception, enters that uh, embryo, you see, and guides the embryo. It's the life force of the embryo, and it grows with the body, and so on. <clears throat> and it's qualitatively different, for instance, than another entity's nefesh You see, it obviously depends on what it is, you know, like I said, you know. <clears throat> so that nefesh is the life force, like I said, of that particular creature. All living forms, as I said, have a nefesh But the nefesh is purely physical. It's the most subtle idea, most subtle physical thing that you can find, and it resides in the blood, this nefesh And that is w one of the reasons why you cannot drink blood, because the nefesh resides in the, in the blood itself. In any case, <clears throat> so when you think about it, man is composed, right, of four things. He has an ishama, which is a nefesh the uppermost soul, right? That is connected to the nefesh tachtoina, which is the lower soul, right? <coughs> and that nefesh tachtoina is connected to, as I said, the guf, the body itself. And then you have uh, the, uh, the, the, and that operates, as I said, because of the nefesh uh, tachtoina and so on. <coughs> Any case, this is what we see so far. This is the composite structure of man. <clears throat> now what's important is that because man, because the neshama uh, is connected to the guf, even though it is completely spiritual, it's restricted. Obviously, something which is purely spiritual or even greater, if it's connected to a very low form of life, it is restricted, right? And one of the ways I said it's restricted <clears throat> right? Is it, it, it by divine decree, it cannot in any way transform the body into a tremendously subtle form of physicality. And that is what we see. You see. <clears throat> in any case, <clears throat> so therefore it is restricted <coughs> because it is connected to the body. Not only that, you know, uh, but since it is connected to the body, it is possible for it to become contaminated. Now I mentioned that the Shema cannot become contaminated. Uh, but if the body sins, then what happened is the divine energy that the uppermost soul is linked to, the spheres, they diminish their output to that person. So automatically, uh, the Neshama Yoyna, right, will have a diminished amount of the ore of divine energy, divine light. So in that sense, the body can be restricted. 
or I should say the Nishama Yoyna certainly can be restricted. So that's a really, in many ways, a very important I idea, <coughs> you see. Now, one of the things we also know is that <coughs> the Nishama, you see, has five parts, which I've mentioned, right? The highest part of the Nishama is called the, right, it's called the Yechida. And it, uh, well, let's actually start with the lowest. Uh, the lowest form of the Nefesh el of the uppermost soul, is called the Nefesh. And its residence, or it connected to the liver. The next part is called the Ruach, and that is connected to the heart. These are all Nefesh el -yoyna. These are all uppermost or upper souls. And these are the five parts. And then you have the third part, which itself is called Neshama. You see, Neshama is a collective term. Neshama also refers to that part of the Neshama, and that is connected to the brain. Then you have what's called the Chaya, it's another part, and that surrounds the entire body, almost like an aura. And then there's the concept of fifth part, which is called Yechida, and the Yechida is what's connected, you see, to the spheres. And that is not connected to the body, uh, but there is obviously a connection between Yechida and the body, but it doesn't have a residence in the body at all. In any case, what we do see is that there is a connection, right, of the, there are five parts of the Shema, each one is connected to a different aspect of the body itself, uh, you see. Now, Oh, now one of the important ideas which I'd like to just mention is that the reason why there's five parts because there are really five realities. There's what's called Oilamasiya, the world of physicality or the world of doing is where man resides and does the mitzvahs or sins. So that is connected to the nefesh. I'm talking about the nefesh al the upper soul. So the nefesh is connected to Oilam you see. We have the next Oilam, which is what? Which is Yitzirah, and that is connected to the Ruach. Then we have Oilam after Yitzirah, we have Oilam Bria, right? And that is connected to the Neshama, the part called the Neshama. And we have a next Oilam going up, uh, which is Atzilus, and that is connected to the Chaya, and then, of course, Yechido is what connects us to Ilum Habo. Uh, therefore, the reason why we have five parts is because there are five realities. And what that, interestingly enough, uh, is because we're connected to all of this, we are able to be conscious of these five realities. What makes us unconscious <coughs> of these five realities is because the Rabbani Shem has decreed that the Nishama is restricted. So part of the restriction of the neshama, right, not only it can't break out of the physical world, but it cannot even be conscious of the worlds that it is connected to. You see, that's part of the restriction of the neshama, you see. <clears throat> now, as we will see, you know, that there is a way to undo the consciousness, or I should say the resistance to consciousness, of you being connected to any of the worlds, you see, and the, and the way which we'll, we're going to talk about, uh, the way you can become conscious 
of different realities. Obviously, not just the reality of the physical, but let's say which is the world of angels, is through prophecy. That's one of the interesting things about Nevoah, uh, that Nevoah is a phenomenon that can actually make you conscious of a different reality, you see. Uh, and in that way, you can communicate with the residents of that reality. But that's called Nevoah, you see. So that's basically the way how you can actually engage with this type of reality. That's a, in many ways a very important idea, you see. <clears throat> so these are the ideas so far that we've seen, you see. The concept of different aspects of being, the concepts of different aspects of reality, and how ultimately one reality transforms into another reality, right? <clears throat> and so on. And that the neshama is in many ways limited. We understand why God made a man a spiritual being as well as a physical, you see, in order for him, uh, man, to have access and influence over that which he is connected to, which is the spheres. And as a result of that, he can empower the spheres to increase their output. And that's what actually does the transformations, you see. So these are very important ideas in terms of, so far, of uh, the setup of understanding the Vua and, uh, uh, you know, uh, next week we'll be able to see what the repercussions of this setup is. What is the first level of prophecy that we actually experience, by the way, and I'm going to explain that next week, you see. Uh, what the phenomenon of Nevoa actually uh, happens as a result of this setup, this structure itself.